from the letter the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the exiles in Babylon. The Lord says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And from chapter 13 of the Acts of the Apostles, we are told, Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. May 1940. The British Prime Minister Winston Churchill has just sent 375,000 British soldiers to the northern shores of France. At the same time, Hitler has punched through Belgium and Holland and um, pinned the Allied forces on the northern shores of France. In fact, they are so confident of what's happening there, the German generals have reported to Hitler saying this, our troops are advancing to Britain's annihilation. Churchill's advisors have told him that less than, uh, less than 30%, less than 10% of those sent over will likely be able to make it back to the shores of Great Britain because they're pinned on the shallow waters of Dunkirk where their large Navy vessels can't extract them effectively in time. But almost 83 years to this day, on May 24, 1940, something strange happens. Hitler makes one of the biggest military strategic mistakes ever in history. The German forces are 10 miles from engaging with the Allied forces, but he overrules his general's advice and stops the advance of the German army for three days. At the same time, the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, were going to launch an attack on, this, on, this, on these pinned Allied forces but something strange happens and prevents them from doing so. The, a fog rolls in so they can't take off and they can't see. And even stranger, less than 50 miles away in the British Channel, a, a, a body of water that is known to be incredibly choppy, the generals report to Churchill that the sea is like glass, as is the air. And that prevents the Luftwaffe from uh, attacking the ships that are crossing the channel to re retrieve the troops. Not a single, uh, and even more, there's uh, reports of troops that seem to have immunity while they're hiding on the beach. A German onslaught, there's a group of 400 soldiers that not a single one of them was injured after a German attack on the beach. One chaplain who was part of this group stood up after taking cover from this attack He's expecting to be injured, but he looked at his body, he was completely unscathed, and he saw a profile of his body on the beach surrounded by bullets. Now, this event came to be known as the miracle at Dunkirk, recently turned into a movie by Christopher Nolan. 
called Dunkirk. But the movie left out a very important detail. See, on May 24th, King George VI called the nation of Britain to a day of prayer and fasting. Millions of people lined up outside of cathedrals and churches in Britain to pray for this very serious situation. So, question is, were these miraculous conditions a mere coincidence? Or could they be divine intervention in response to prayer and fasting? See, throughout Scripture, we see this unique relationship between prayer and fasting. We can fast without praying, and we can pray without fasting, but something special seems to happen when the two go together. It's like a chemical reaction. So today we come to this third reason for the practice of fasting. A couple weeks ago, we began looking at fasting as a way to offer ourselves to Jesus. Last week, Jerry led us in considering how fasting helps us grow in Christ-likeness, how to grow in holiness. Today, we're going to look at fasting as a way to amplify our prayers, and next week, we'll conclude this series on fasting as a way to stand in solidarity with the poor. Now, if you've been following along with us here at WCF, we've covered the practice of prayer through the month of February. And there we learned how prayer is, isn't just this heavenly wish list that we put before God. Prayer is this medium of communicating with God, but also communing with God. And there we learned how prayer is talking to God, prayer is listening to God, but also communing and being with God. And fasting is this accompanying practice to prayer that helps us both amplify God's voice to us, but also amplify our voice to God. So we're going to talk about it in two parts today, fasting as a way to hear God, uh, hear God better and fasting as a way to be heard by God better. So the, in the book of Acts, we see this, uh, that, that Ryan read for us, we see this life in the early church. In Acts chapter 13, we get a picture of what that looks like. They were worshiping and they were fasting, we're told. And they're considering what to do with these prophets and teachers. And as they were fasting, we were told that God speaks to them about Paul and Barnabas to send them out. And so what they do is they fast and pray again and then lay hands on them and commission them to the work of the ministry. So fasting and prayer went along together to hear God's leading. Fasting and praying helped them hear God's voice. And as we've been reminded in the series so far, you know, our bodies are integrated spirit souls and bodies, physical and spiritual. God created us both. Last week, Jerry shared some of the physical benefits to our bodies when we fast, but there are also mental health benefits to when we fast. Fasting helps increase the blood flow to our brain. Now, the opposite happens when we eat, right? When we eat, all of our blood flows to our digestive system. It's often why when we have a large meal, we experience what people call a food coma. You get drowsy, you can't think as clearly because all the blood is rushing to your digestive system. Fasting also increases neuroplasticity. That's the ability for our brains to form new neural connections. Fasting is also proven to decrease the neurotransmitters that signal anxiety and elevate uh, and, and depression, but also elevate those that signal calm 
and a sense of well-being. It's even shown in some studies to slow down and even reverse the effects of Alzheimer's. So all to say fasting can also help our minds with its alertness, with its focus, and with its attention. Now, just to be clear, this doesn't happen overnight. The moment you fast, you're going to start getting all this inspiration. It might happen, but if you're new to fasting, and especially if you're used to a diet of high sugars or sugar replacements or highly refined grains, there is probably a, a time of adjustment. You might feel headache or dizzy from what this quick withdrawal of the sugar that your body is used to taking in. But if you stick with the practice and make it a part of your rhythm, you just might find your body will adapt. And when you fast, you will start to feel calmer, but also highly alert and attuned. So fasting can help put our mind and our body in this ideal place to hear from God, spiritually, physically, and mentally. Priscilla Shear uh, writes of this, this of her experience of fasting, saying, I'm able to gain perspective on how balanced is the amount of time, energy, and effort that I put into my body and into my spirit. When we choose to sacrifice a need of the body through fasting, to place more importance on a need of the spirit, God sits up and takes notice. The heavens are open to us in a way that we might not have otherwise been. All this to say, fasting helps put us in this ideal position to listen, but also puts us in, in a God, God in a position, an ideal situation for, to speak to us in ways that we can hear. See, when I fast, I am aware of my physical hunger. You can't not be aware of it, right? Your stomach grumbles. You, your, your energy levels change. But my mind becomes more attentive to God. When I recognize my physical hunger, I say, okay, that's going on in my stomach, but I also recognize my heart is hungry for God. More of God's love in my life. Fasting and praying together to seek, uh, come together to seek God's leading and direction. It's what often Christians often refer to as the practice of discernment. Now, before we continue further, let me just provide one caution as we're listening to this about the benefits of spiritual practices. We've been talking about some of these benefits. It's very easy to make the connection that that is the reason that we should fast. And I get it. Most of us probably don't make changes to our lifestyles. We don't make decisions unless we know there's a benefit on the other side of this. Right? That's how most of us, at least that's how I function. But hear this. Practices like fasting are primarily a response first before they are a reason. They're a response first before they are a reason. Even in Jeremiah, the, the, the text that Ryan read for us about Jeremiah, that was a response to their, Israel's being exiled away from their promised land. And then God promised all these things, I will restore, you will come back to me. Those were the benefits in response to their prayer and fasting. But the reason is what caused them to pray and fast. Fasting is an appropriate whole body response that takes serious a sacred or serious moment. Scott McKnight in his book, Fasting, where did I put it? Oh, yeah, here it is. It's a wonderful book full of wisdom about fasting. Pick it up if you have a chance to, um, if you want to explore it more. He talks about fasting as body talk. Body talk is taking serious 
the integrated nature of our humanity, spirit and soul, but also body. Fasting as body talk is our spirituality expressed in our body. Just like crying is an appropriate response to grief. Just like kneeling is an appropriate response to humility. Just like raising your hands is an appropriate response to celebration or surrender. Fasting is an appropriate body response to a sacred or serious event in our lives. We see examples of it throughout Scripture. David fasted in response to the grief of King Saul's death. Even though King Saul spent most of his last years of his life chasing David to kill him, David responded by fasting in the grief of losing King Saul. David also fasted when the prophet Samuel told him that he was going to lose his son conceived in his rape of Bathsheba and in his murder of her husband, Uriah. He fasted and prayed in response to that news. Sacred, grievous situations. But in that situation, David's fasting and prayer didn't change the outcome. He still lost his son. But it was an appropriate body response to the grief and to the repentant remorse that he was experiencing. Samuel's mother, Hannah, also fasted and prayed when she found out that she could not conceive of a child, conceive a child. And in her situation, her fasting and praying, God answered and Samuel came along. But she didn't fast to have a child or to get God to answer to have a child. She fasted in response to her barrenness. Scott McKnight goes further in this book, calling this different kinds of fasting as body grief or body plea. These are ways that our bodies are accompanying what we are experiencing in our spirits, in our souls. And I wonder how our prayers and our prayer life might change if we were to respond to grievous and serious situations in our lives, in our world, with, when we respond with prayer, but also with fasting, when we hear of someone's death, when we're reading the news and see instances of mass shootings and gun violence and racism and evil power plays in politics, instead of shaking our heads and thinking, oh, these people don't know what they're doing, or God. We might even pray, but what if we fasted as well as praying, saying, this is not the way things should be, God. How can I go and indulge myself when the world is, a, is living in ways that are against what you intend for the flourishing of humanity? Practices like fasting are a response first before they are a reason. Because if we view them only as a reason to get a benefit, like getting God to answer a prayer, or for us to grow in holiness, to grow in Christ-likeness, then the practice can very easily turn into some legalistic or self-righteous endeavor. Or we might just step back and say, well, you know what, I don't think I need to get to do this to get that benefit. This sacrifice is not worth it to me to get that. So I don't need to do this. But when we view it as an appropriate response to a sacred or serious or grievous situation, then perhaps practices like fasting can fuel our relationship with the God of love.
which is the whole point of being an apprentice of Jesus. Grief and repentance are appropriate responses to fast and to draw close to God. Appropriate times. But there are times of major decisions that can be appropriate as well. They can be sacred and serious moments when fasting is an appropriate response. It doesn't always have to be negative. When we have moments of big decisions, it, it's important. Maybe it's a good opportunity to take time of silence and solitude or even retreating to spend time with God away from the noise and distraction. But for many of us, that might not be possible. I had the a privilege of doing that for, uh, for the day on Wednesday, doing a silent retreat up in Germantown. But we can't always do that. That's the first time I've done that in probably my life where I spent that long. But most of us have parenting duties. We have to work. We have life responsibilities. So maybe in those situations, we just simply get up earlier. Or when we have meals, instead of meal prep and eating and cleaning up, we spend that time listening to God. Spending time in listening prayer, seeking God, and praying as the psalmist prays in Psalm 143, saying, Show me the way, oh, here it is. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. Show me. The Chung household, you know, when we often pray before meals, we'll thank God for the food or for the day. But most, a lot of times we'll be praying, Lord, Help us to know your will and help us to walk in it. See, the discipline of fasting and listening for God's voice is part of this movement of discernment here in the Christian life where we are saying, God, we need you. God, we want to know you. God, we want to follow you and do your will. The discipline of fasting and listening for God's voice is part of this larger movement in the spiritual journey from just mere decision-making to discernment. See, discernment moves us from what's the best and wisest decision for my life right now to what's God's will for my life. Discernment moves us from this anxious control to yielded trust in our life. It moves us from I'm the one who's in control of my life God is my spiritual advisor that I can call on to, I am your servant. May it be done according to your word. Fasting is this discipline where we open up our body and our soul to God's spirit to facilitate these transitions to take place in our lives. But we don't fast just to hear God. We fast to be heard by God. Now, you might say, well, God always hears our prayers, doesn't he? He's God. In fact, Paul writes to the Roman church, saying that the Spirit helps us to pray even when we don't know how to pray, with groanings. God knows even before we ask. But at the same time, there is something about fasting that seems to amplify our prayers before God. In Psalm 158, verse 3, uh, verse 4, Prophet Isaiah says, Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. In Isaiah 58, God is rebuking the Israelites for fasting while at the same time mistreating their neighbors. And there seems to be a connection between our prayer and fasting and how that is played out in how we treat 
others. And we're going to look further into this next week. But for now, buried amongst this rebuke is one of the reasons that we fast. Isaiah says that fasting is connected to our expectation for our voice to be heard on high. Another translation says, might say it better, for your, to make your voice heard in heaven. Fasting helps our voice to be heard in heaven. In other ways, there's this connection between fasting and prayer and our prayers being heard by God. Do you ever feel like your prayers are stuck? They're like hitting the ceiling and not going anywhere? I wonder if fasting along with our prayer might help with that. The preacher Tony Evans puts it this way, fasting helps us activate God's power. Now, for me, as I'm listening to that and I, growing up in a Pentecostal charismatic tradition, there's all these reminders that if we pray harder, if we pray more, if we pray louder, God's going to change situations. And there is a sense that it's true. Now we have to be careful to say that the more that we do, the louder that we pray, the more that we fast, the more that we sacrifice, that God somehow hears it more and will answer more. That's not what's being said. Fasting isn't some hunger strike to pressure God to answer our prayer. We're not Gandhi going against the British Empire. We are the children of God, daughters and sons of God, in relationship with the Heavenly Father who loves us. Yet there is this mysterious connection between our willingness to seek God with all of our being, including our hearts and minds, but also our bodies. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. The idea of heart in the ancients wasn't just its internal part. It was this entire being, including our bodies. There's something about seeking and finding God within our entire being that God seems to honor and find value in. Scripture describes this correlation between fasting and prayer, but doesn't really give us why it works. In Mark chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus' disciples come back to him after going out to do some ministry, and they say, why can't we cast out some of these demons? And he answers them by saying, this kind can only come out by prayer, and some manuscripts also add, and fasting. God seems to answer prayers differently when they are accompanied with fasting. Now, different streams of Christianity have tried to explain why the why, and we may not actually know the answer of why fasting seems to make our prayers heard by God. And I wonder if the reason for it is because fasting, and the reason why fasting is described as this complementary activity that God seems to respond to, because at its core, God is a relational being. The Godhead is this trinity of three persons delighting and uh, cheering each other on, relating to one another since the beginning of time. The Spirit of God uh, is saying to Jesus the Son, hey, did you see what Karin prayed? I'm so glad that you answered that. And then, uh, and then the, 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 the Father says to the Son, oh, Ryan, did you see how he, he treated his coworker? He, uh, that, that's looking a lot more like you. There's this cheering on. There's this relationship that's happening amongst the Trinity. And this relational God is inviting us, God's people, into the delight of that relationship. And I wonder if fasting is a way for us to remind it, to be reminded of our need for God, 
to be in relationship with God and to be, our, to be dependent upon God for all of our strength and life. You know, if we fast and pray in response to a serious or sacred moment, we are turning to the only being in the universe who delights in his creation coming to him. And perhaps that's why God so responds to prayer and fasting. Not because of what we do, but because of who we turn to. Arthur Wallace, in his book, God's Chosen Fast, says this. He, because humans repent in respect to sin, that's our, our action, God repents in respect to judgment. A human's change of heart makes it morally possible for God to behave differently towards God. Wait, that's... I, I, missed, uh, I mistyped that. But yes, uh, yet acting consistently with God towards us, not God. God to behave differently towards us, yet acting consistently with God's holy character and principles. You know, we often mistakenly assume that God is going to do what God's going to do with or without our prayers. But the pattern that you read throughout Scripture is that God's people fast, God's people pray, and God answers. We don't know why it works, but it does. There are numerous examples in scriptures that we've covered already. There's even more, like King Jehoshaphat and Esther and this church in Antioch. Fasting helps us hear God and to be heard by God. Fasting isn't just, helpful, uh, isn't just a helpful complement to prayer. It, it helps us amplify our prayers. And remember, prayer isn't what we do to get things from God, but to get God himself. And the whole goal of the Christian life is to be drawn deeper into communion with the, and enjoyment with the God of love. And prayer is one of the ways that we do that. And the goal of following Christ is to be drawn into this union with God and to experience more and more of the Trinity, more of Christ the Son, more of the Holy Spirit, more of God the Father, more of the love that is overflowing between them and to us. So when you consider how you need to hear from God, or whether you need God to hear you more, I wonder if fasting is one of the ways that we can do that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ways that you are love to answer prayer, love to draw us closer to you. And for many of us, fasting has been one of these ways that we've overlooked. And as we've been exploring this practice, would you meet us as we take steps to consider, or, or even if we are already fasting, Lord, the goal is to join and enjoy you. Help us to speak with all of our being, not just with our minds, not just with our hearts, but with our bodies as well. We thank you that you are faithful to respond, and we look forward to that. In Jesus' name we pray. I wonder if we could...